Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Holly. Good morning. I have to put my, uh, my sermon back in order because first service, I flipped it, and now it's all backwards. Yay. But I think I got it. Good morning and welcome. My name is Becca Bunger, and I am the youth and children's pastor here at River Heights Vineyard. Thank you. I'm actually really, really excited to be, like, right here today because I don't get to be up on this stage much. Usually on Sunday mornings, I'm downstairs with the kids. And then the bulk of the preaching I do is actually on Wednesday nights over in the Lavinia Sanctuary because that's where youth group meets. So I don't usually get to be here. So I'm really excited that I get to be here with you this morning. I love the Christmas series. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, my husband, Chris, and I stumbled upon our new favorite Christmas classic, Klaus, while we were looking for a movie to watch with our girls. Klaus is on Netflix. We saw it had gorgeous animation, but we missed that it was PG. Um, so depending on where you stand on casual cartoon violence, if you have kids, you might want to wait till they're a little older than four and two. But our kids turned out fine and they love the movie. It starts with the lead character, Jesper. He's a selfish, rich kid floating his way through his dad's business, the Postal Service. His dad sends him to the roughest town and it's a place where no other postman has ever succeeded in getting the postal service started. The town, Samirinsburg, is literally on the farthest corner of the map. Jesper needs to get 6,000 letters sent within the year or he'll be cut off from his dad's fortune. My kid's using the door as a mirror right now. <laughs> um, Smearinsburg is a cold, foggy fishing village. The houses are falling apart and they have weapons sticking out of them. Smearinsburg is split between the Ellingbows and the Crumbs. Think the Montagues and the Capulets or the Hatfields and the McCoys. And because this is a kids movie, the Ellingbows have brown hair and the Crumbs have red hair, so you can tell them apart. And heads up, this clip is where the casual violence gets a little less casual. You just ring the bell over there and, uh, and then the reception will start. The bell? Yep, give it a go. Meet 
Miss Alva, who can't teach because the Ellingbows won't send their kids to school if the Crumbs are attending, and the Crumbs won't send their kids if the Ellingbows can. And so she turns the school into a fish market so she can earn enough money to get out of town. Jesper sees Crumbs throw chamber pots on freshly laundered sheets. He sees Ellingbow kids pick and eat all the berries from a crumb's yard every morning. And Jesper visits hundreds of houses asking for letters, but they have no use for sending mail when they don't care about each other. So finally, Jesper finds a scribbly little picture dropped by a lonely kid. And he convinces the kid to mail it only 5,999 to go. At a secluded house in the woods, Jesper gets startled when he sees a large man with a huge white beard, Klaus. He runs away, dropping the first letter. Klaus opens it, and an isolated old man sees a lonely child. And it just so happens that Klaus has a workshop filled with toys. That night, Klaus tracks Jesper down to help deliver his first Toy. I said, please, open this. Why are you doing this to me? Oh, no. Okay, you win. What do you want? Money? My dad's got plenty of it. You can write him a ransom note. You can write, right? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll write it for you. You'll ah, never know it's me. I'll make it sound like it's from you. I'll use monosyllabic words, man. Please, 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 Can I please?
the next day, that little Ellingbow boy is playing with his toy. It hops to the fence where a little chrome girl is watching with eyes filled with wonder. The two kids start playing together, and when they're caught, they're educated by their elders in the long tradition of why they hate the other family. But hope and joy have entered the story. If you write a letter to Klaus, he'll send you a toy. The kids don't know how to write, so Jesper sends them to Miss Alva, and they beg her to teach them. Jesper starts getting more letters and starts delivering a lot more toys with Klaus. And there are some kids who are just really mean to Jesper, so he gives them coal. And then he tells them that if they want toys, they got to be nice. They got to be good. And most of the kids start being kind to each other, to their parents, and to their neighbors, even if their neighbors are Ellingbows or Crumbs. And that gets their parents involved. And over time, the community itself is transformed. This is a beautiful secular retelling about how Santa Claus got his start. And I didn't even spoil all the plot points. You're going to love this movie. I love how the success of the entire plot hinged on Klaus seeing a child who had a need for a moment of joy. He couldn't fix the breaking down houses, a violent generational family feud, or even his own loneliness. But he had a toy. He didn't know that he would change the entire town of Smearinsburg by helping that one child. Helping that one child was enough. This reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. This is after King David, and Israel has been divided into the northern kingdom, Samaria, and the southern kingdom, where Jerusalem is, called Judah. And in 2 Kings, we see three of Judah's kings, Hezekiah, Manasseh, and Josiah. 2 Kings 18 through 20 shows us that Hezekiah is one of the best kings Judah has ever had. But then in chapter 21, his son Manasseh is described as the worst king that Judah ever had. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother was Hephzibah, and he did what was evil in the Lord's sight following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. Manasseh rebuilt a lot of the shrines and altars that his father Hezekiah had torn down. And though Manasseh was the worst king that Judah ever had, chapter 22 said Josiah was another one of the best kings that Judah ever had. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. 
When Josiah turned 12, he started tearing down the shrines and altars to foreign gods. He sent money to restore the temple, and in restoring the temple, the high priest discovered an old scroll that was a law of Moses, and he gave it to Josiah. When Josiah read that scroll, he felt dismay because the people had not been following the Lord. In response, he had the entire book read to all of Judah. The rest of the shrines and altars to foreign gods were torn down, and he made sure that the people would celebrate Passover again. Huh. So let's spend some time in holy wonder about this. Why did Manasseh and Josiah end up so different? One was the worst king, and one was one of the best. Their first years look very similar on paper. They were both young princes who grew up in the same palace. They both lost their fathers way too early. Manasseh was 12. Josiah was 8. What was the difference? The Bible doesn't say. But I'm a children's pastor. And here is what I think. I think someone saw Manasseh as a young ruler to be trained in the ways of state. And I think someone saw Josiah as a child who would need to know God in his life. I love the 4 to 14 movement. They're a group who focuses on evangelism to children. They found that children who are introduced to God between the ages of 4 and 14 are more likely to have a lifelong faith. And if you were introduced to God between the ages of 4 and 14, raise your hand. Yeah. Now, to be very fair, you can decide to love God back at any age, and God is going to be overjoyed that you chose to love him back. You are still God's beloved child, whatever age you decided to believe at. And as a young child, Lou Sari taught me about Jesus with puppets and Happy Meals. As a third grader, Nancy Head prayed with me at summer camp. At teen camp, Carrie Watson Hiller was one of my counselors, and we got to go full circle because I went back to that camp as a speaker for the last two summers, and I taught her teens. I'm a 4 to 14 kid. They found that even kids who are introduced to God at that age, who decide not to believe or who later walk away, they are more likely to return in their adulthood if they had a good experience when they were young. So whether you believed right away as a child or not, who here remembers the name of someone who introduced you to God in that age range? Let's honor those names. If you'd like, say it to someone around you. Polly Hubbard also was there. She was great. Childhood is important. Children are important. When you change the life of a child by introducing them to the love of Christ, you change the entire world. 
every interaction that child has for the rest of their life has the potential to be infused with greater love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That changes the world. And you could be one of those names. If you are serving in Vineyard Kids or with Vineyard Youth, you probably already are. And I love doing this stuff with you. And I'm going to just take a moment to thank you again. Can everyone just give these people a moment? Because wow. Loki, I would love to add a second pre-K service at first service and another one at third service. If you want to come and hang out with some of the best kids in town, you can sign up on your connection card for one service, one Sunday a month. Oh, also, check out this picture. This is of our middle church room. I snapped this picture about a month ago. The number of teens we have is also growing. Do you, yeah, right? These are some of the best teens in town. I see you. I see you right there. All right. Do you know that four of five graduating seniors intend to keep going church, but only two to five do? And the number one determining factor of the young adults who keep attending church is whether or not they're serving on a team as a high schooler. They felt more connected to their community. So if they stayed in town, they stayed in their church. And if they left town, they sought new churches so they could be in community. Have you seen all of our teens on a Sunday? I'm trying to get all of them serving. It is so awesome. Is there one on a team that you're already serving on? Do you want to help them learn how to greet, to make coffee, to sprinkle confetti on a craft in a way that you don't have to vacuum afterwards? Like... They need to see how you live out your faith. Teens these days, this generation, they try their faith on like a sweater. They see what is happening. They copy what they see, and they try it on. If it works for them, then they try belief. They answer the question, where do I belong, before they believe. Belonging comes first. Your presence, the attention that you give to them, how you live out your faith, it matters. We're being auditioned. I'm a theater person. This is exciting. Speaking of teens, we had a fundraiser today. Thank you for eating a donut if you got the chance. We're raising money for a 55-passenger bus because we have more than fit in our River Heights bus. We're trying to get 16, we have $1,600. We're trying to get to 4,000, and we have a month left. So. Back to the sermon. All right. In 2015, Harvard Center for the Developing Child released a study that stated every child who winds up doing well has at least one stable, committed relationship with a supportive adult. By the time you shift from children's pastor books to youth pastor books, the number changes from at least one to six. Every teen needs six adults investing in their lives. And they need us because life is hard for children too. They also face divorce. They also face addiction. They also face the death of loved ones. They face hunger 
and homelessness, depression, and anxiety. And these are all things that children and youth in our church experience. This is Elam. He was having a rough day and asked for a hug. He didn't let go. Minutes in, Elam whispered, it's working. He was starting to feel better, more grounded, less anxious. My five-year-old was hit in class three weeks ago by her friend, Danny. That's weird because Danny is usually really sweet. The next week, his teacher noticed more throwing and more hitting behavior, but also that his sister mentioned something about mom being gone. So I checked in. His mother died three months ago. They just started coming back to church. Danny doesn't have behavior. Danny has grief. Since then, I talked to his teachers about ELR, extra love required. My youngest and I pray for her friend because sometimes sadness can look like anger and Danny is very, very sad. Last week, we saw them coming in to check in downstairs and we said, Danny, we're so glad to see you here. And he and his sister ran to us and gave us the biggest hugs. We're going to get him through this. And Jesus is helping get him through this through us, right? So here is a look at Smearinsburg towards the end of the movie. job. Yay! All right, that's it for today. And um, homework. Oh, uh, I forgot about homework. You know what? No homework. <laughs> Am I the best teacher ever or what? What happened here? Oh, yeah, I thought I would give the place an update. Everybody knows Rotting Fish is so over. H how did you pay for this? Hmm? Your savings? Well, not all of it. Actually, yeah, all of it. But check it out. I think it looks pretty good. What about starting far, far away from here? Where's that, Alva? Someone would have to be pretty stupid to want to leave this place now. Don't you think? I guess. You guess? Oh, wow, you have no idea what you've done, do you? Ugh, come on, <laughs> I'll show you. Now, would you take a look at that? <laughs> Place, is it? 
the vacuum. Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> A true act of goodwill, huh? Always sparks another. It's Christmas. We're celebrating that God came to earth. The kingdom of God broke through into our world in the form of a tiny baby in Bethlehem. Jesus came to stand with us and to take our sin and brokenness to the cross. God could have popped Jesus down as a 26-year-old with a fully formed prefrontal cortex, but he didn't. He started as a kid because God wants children to know that he can help them too. Klaus saw a child hurting and gave that child joy. It changed Smearensburg. Someone saw Josiah, a child grieving, and introduced him to God, and it changed a nation. In the vineyard, we like to talk about bringing the kingdom. And when we see children and introduce them to God, we bring God's kingdom here. Jesus says, whoever welcomes one of, my little, one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but also the Father who sent me. I want to see more God in this world. And when we introduce children and teens to God, we bring God into their lives and we change the world. So I have some steps for you. And I'd love to invite the worship team to come back up and the prayer team to be ready to pray for people today. So step one, notice. Don't turn and look right now, but see the children and youth in the sanctuary. If they aren't with their teachers downstairs, then they need you to see them up here sitting with their families. Step two, talk. Don't get discouraged by one-word answers. Relationships take time. Oh, and also talk about things that they have control over. Interests like unicorns, books, Football. Everyone's got an opinion on Bigfoot. We'll leave, a bit, we'll leave like physical features alone, like height, beauty, or eye color. Bigfoot. Three, pray for God's eyes to see opportunity and speak life into these young people. And bonus tip four, serve with kids, either down in Vineyard Kids or with a kid upstairs on a team. There are people up here on the prayer team who would love to pray with you about anything, but I did have a few ideas for today. One, I said that children are important, but I never said that having children is important. So if God called you to singleness, or if God called you to marriage but not to be a parent, you can bring God's kingdom. Get prayer for anything you want. If God called you to parenthood, but you are waiting and it is hard, I am so sorry. God sees you. God loves you. 
You can bring God's kingdom. Get prayer for anything you want. If you are grieving this holiday season for whatever reason, please come get prayer. And if you want the eyes to see opportunities to bring the kingdom here, or if you want prayer for anything else, please come get prayer. I'll start. Holy Spirit, come. Help us to partner with you in bringing as much of your kingdom here to this world as we can. Give us your eyes to see and give us your hope for what can be when we get to work with you. We love you, Lord.